You know what's worse than failing? It's not even trying. What's the point of being here if you don't give things a shot? That's what we're all about on this podcast, but we're here to minimize failures, which is why we've partnered with Yotpo for this series. Yotpo has helped thousands of e-commerce businesses of all sizes to grow. Or put another way, they've helped thousands of cool D2C brands not fail. You know the former footballer turned founder Hal Robson Carnu? His company, The Turmeric Co., saw a 600% revenue increase after just two years with Yotpo's reviews and loyalty features. Well, that could be because of loads of things I hear you say, but the proof's in the conversion pudding, and Wolfson Brands increased their ROI on their order flows by 49 times by adding Yotpo's SMS bump. Wild. Plus, your customers can now buy things by replying to texts you send through Yotpo. They don't even need to be on your website. Less friction means better conversion. So, if you're in e-commerce and want to reduce your chances of failure, then check out yotpo.com secret. That's Y-O-T-P-O dot secret. I think the stupidest thing we ever did was we were doing university fairs at universities, but like the people who wanted to use the product were were, were the people before university. Yeah, we did we did that for a couple of weeks, and we were suddenly like everyone loves it, but no one needs it. That's Chris Donnelly talking about the failure of his business, The Real Uni Guide, a website that aimed to match students with the universities that were the best fit for them. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray-Serta, and this is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. We're doing this because we learn a lot more from failure than success, but we hardly ever hear about it. We're changing that with the help of entrepreneurs like Chris sharing their worst moments. Last year, Chris sold the creative marketing agency he'd founded called Verb, and he's now the co-founder of Lottie, a platform which helps people find the right care homes for their relatives. They just raised £6 million on a £45 million valuation. It sounds like Chris was born to be an entrepreneur. Even before The Real Uni Guide, he tried his hand at another e-commerce business, which is funny because this whole startup thing isn't what he wanted to do when he was growing up. He didn't always want to be an entrepreneur. I'd pretty much defined my entire life by playing sport and by playing rugby, hadn't really focused on anything else. I was certainly bad academically for the majority of my school. Like I was so into sport, but also like I have dyslexia, I have ADHD, and I did actually get to a really high level. So I got into London Irish Academy and had some some bad injuries. By the time I actually came back, I just wasn't good enough to continue playing at the level that I had been playing at. And so I had this sort of moment where I was a bit like, well, I suppose that's that and I need to focus on something else now and I was pretty bad academically and so I started effectively selling like playing cards and like home technology appliances and stuff and I built I actually built a website to do that and I started I started to sort of almost focus on me as a entrepreneur as a thing you know like I'd been me the rugby sporting me who had failed and then I was going to be trying to be me the sort of entrepreneurial type me I don't know, maybe I bought into like a glamorized version of entrepreneurship, but I had a sense that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, even though I don't think I knew what that meant necessarily. It was at university when Chris, along with his brother Nick, came up with the idea for The Real Uni Guide. The website used an algorithm to match prospective students with the right university for them based on criteria from their course to where their friends were going. They put money in themselves and also got investment from an angel investor as well as friends and family. They spent over a year building the website, but when it went live, 
things didn't go to plan. The one thing I'd always say to like, people nowadays is like, if you ask loads of friends what they think about your product, they're normally too nice to give you the truth. And so we had done customer research, but we'd done it with people that were like our friends and stuff. So we'd been building the website, uploading content for honestly more than a year, maybe a year and a half to a point where we were like, okay, this thing is ready to go. We hadn't got any pre-sales of the premium model. And so we were like, well, we have to go live with it because we need the traffic to justify the funds and all the rest of it. But when, when it went live, yeah, I mean, we were expecting, again, because we, we didn't understand how the, the internet worked and like how you know users work or anything. We, we were expecting people to flock to the website when we announced it as a you know, revolutionary piece of student technology. Where in reality, you know, my mum and dad might have looked, you know, Nick and I certainly looked and a few friends looked and I think that was probably it. And then we, then we learned the actual genius for the, of this business model would have been launch a really small website and drive as much traffic as possible, I suppose. Well, I think when we first realized that no one was coming to the website, as basic as it sounds, what we started Googling and reading about and learning about how to drive traffic and how to drive audience. And so like this is when Facebook was taking off. So we got really into Facebook and building groups on Facebook and uh, Facebook advertising. And so we started doing everything and anything to drive traffic to the site. Um, I remember like going to, to uh, like schools and like, handing out leaflets and pamphlets and sponsoring newsletters. So we, we began everything that we should have been doing for the last year and a half, but we were nearly out of money as well. I mean, that was the problem we launched and we didn't have much money left in the bank. It did actually, I mean, after six more months and by this point, like we'd spent all the money and we were just funding bits and bobs with the money we were making from our jobs. It did actually start getting going. You know, it started generating thousands of views and people were using it and we moved to a less expensive developer and we were doing the things we should have been doing from day one, which was like, constantly tweaking it and improving it but yeah it did actually it got to a place where it was getting thousands of views in certain areas but the, th the problem it was almost too late to continue unless we'd gone and raised lots of money which we didn't know how to do we had raised twenty thousand pounds and achieved really very little you know like we had built a website and driven a couple of tens of thousands of, of of viewers and users to use the website and i suppose at that point there we didn't know that would be enough to raise a little bit more money. And the feedback we were getting from potential investors was actually really poor. And I, I think they were the wrong investors to talk to, you know. And also people wanted so much of the company that it would have been like giving half of the company away before it had even really begun. So, so yeah, we were kind of, me and Nick, I remember talking about it one night in a, in a, in a pub. He was like sort of of the opinion that we would need to raise loads of money. And I was of the opinion that, we probably had taken it as far as we could take it as a business. And then by the end of that evening, we got to a point where we were like, okay, 10,000 people have used it over the last couple of months. Like it's not enough ultimately. Um, and the problem with that, is, I suppose if I could go back and advise myself, there probably was a big enough case there to raise money from the right people and, and, and develop it. But you just don't know those things at the time, I suppose. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and as Chris found out, it can be hard at the time to see the right path to take. As a founder, people ask you all the time about your business. It can often feel like it defines who you are, so Chris found it difficult to escape from the mistakes that he'd made. It becomes such a 
personality defining, you know, persona defining thing if you have a business. And especially at that age, like I think I'd been 19 when we launched it. I think also at 19, like everyone just thinks you're a bit of a twat if you start your own business. And, I, you know, I've, I've spoken to my good friends who are still my good friends about that time. And they were like, yeah, we were a bit of a knob to you at the time. And it's because I think you're, you're trying to chart a different path. You know, it, it's sometimes perceived as you're, you think you're better than everyone else. Um, and then obviously when you do that and you kind of rebuff a lot of that negativity people throw your way because of the business, when you then fail... <laughs> and fail so spectacularly like we did within you know 18 months basically people are like oh so what are you going to do now as if like you've failed you know everything's failed not just the business you're you know you're sort of over yourself and people were like you know are you still gonna you're you gonna go back to university it's like i'm still at university you know like or they were like do you think you've missed out on too much to now do well at university and all these kind of like quite snidey type comments um but yeah, I'd say it was—I'd say it was quite brutal at the time because you, you just define yourself as an entrepreneur, then you fail, and everyone's like, "Well, you're just a failed entrepreneur now." But I, what I had learned from the Real Uni Guide kind of did define my career. Like my—I learned about driving traffic, and I learned about digital marketing, and I learned about Facebook and all these different, you know, avenues and how customers interact and stuff. So I suppose the pickup was I wanted to pay back friends and family. That was like always my driving force. I didn't, I didn't think I owed paying back the angel list investor, um, but I thought I would try and pay back the family and friends. And so I actually just set about building websites and doing marketing for small, small brands because I knew how to do that at that point as a way of getting myself sort of back on my feet a little bit. You know, I found it interesting, but also, again, I enjoyed it because it was entrepreneurial, I suppose. Being able to learn and grow from failure is what this series is all about. So what does Chris say are the key lessons from that experience that have stayed with him? Like focus on the customer more than anything else. Like take, try and take yourself out of the room, just focus on the customer. Like I, I didn't get that right with the first sort of e-com business I did. I, I certainly didn't get it right with the real uni guide. And I think that led to a very like, my, my viewpoint of, of building a business is incredibly iterative. So, you know, it, with with businesses I've done since, like I would have launched a product way before most people would have, but with a view that, you know, we launched today and 30 days will be a different business and 90 days will be unrecognizable, you know, in, in two years, you probably won't, you wouldn't put those businesses next to each other type thing. And I think that that comes from mainly the real uni guide and spending 18 months building something that then didn't work. Um, and you build it in silo and it becomes complex and, Actually, what customers want is, especially when they're first experiencing your brand, is they want a really simple, really easy to interact with product. And then you can build features onto it over time once they already know it. But you need your you need your customers to define the features. And so the real uni guide was a deeply complex website for what was, you know, for what had no customers. So yeah, so I think that's that's stuck with me. And then I think, you know, having a very clear focus on um, how to get to revenue quickly. Um, because my, my business that I did for the last 10 years was very much a business that, you know, never raised funding and stuff. And that was always built on the idea of making money from day one. Um, so yeah, I think the real uni guy was defining for my family and I, um, everyone ended up being an entrepreneur afterwards. Um, 
but I think those lessons stuck with us all about you know product and customers and feedback and and, and that marketing a lot of the time is as important as the product. Chris Donnelly. If you have a failure story that you'd like to share with us, then we'd love to hear it. Please email us on hello at secretleaders.com with a few bullets explaining what happened. You've been listening to our bite-sized series on failure and I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. If you want to hear more stories of failure, setbacks and how they impact success, then give us a follow on your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next time. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.